0: Hello and welcome to this episode of PointCast. Today is more of an opportunity for us to reflect on the progress that we have made as a podcast since we began earlier this year. When we started the show this past January, we had no idea of the type of response we would receive from voters. All we knew is that we wanted to produce a podcast that elevated the voices of voters. What we have found across the board is an amazing acceptance from voters at simply having the opportunity to have civil discourse. What the show has become is a safe place for people to air their political views, share them in a way that's educational, and connect with elected officials. The other thing that we learned is that voters really wanted to connect with the public more and wanted more people to be able to participate. So we've been encouraged by our voters, by our guests, to have public forums all across the city. So on August 25th at 3 p.m., we're having a public forum in the Irvington community, and we'd like to personally invite all of you to come out and to participate in that forum. Please stay tuned for upcoming details on that show on our social media, and on our website. Also, what we'd like to do today is to look back at some of the conversations that we've had with our voters. One such discussion led us to the personal reflection and journey that a young American voter had when she and her family immigrated to this country. Listen as Carla J shares her story. Today we are talking to Carla J. Carla, thank you so much for coming in and welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you for having me today.
0: Before we get into our conversation today, if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about you?
1: Yes. Um, I was uh, born in Guatemala and my parents brought me when I was uh, one year old to the United States. Um, Unfortunately, my mother passed away when I was four and a half, leaving my father with uh, four young kids. I was the oldest. Mm -hmm. And um, the youngest was a newborn, and then two younger siblings in between. Uh, later on, um, we we lived in Los Angeles, California, but then we moved to Boston, where my dad uh, was going to pastor a Latino friends church. And then later on, uh, before I was going to go to college, I, we moved to Indiana. Mm-hmm and in 2010 i met my husband and we got married three years ago and my husband is also a pastor and i'm just glad to be able to still be able to work in the church and you know see a lot of the things that especially the latino community goes through with the immigration issue um i have been able to visit prisons and just walk with people as they're going through their struggle i was fortunately in fortunate enough for the loss to be in our favor for me to become legally uh, a legal citizen mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. be able to to participate in, in this democracy.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, you know, and, and I'm really glad you can be here because you give us a, a perspective of voters that we don't always get a chance to hear from, especially in our current environment. Um, now, before we came on the air, we talked about uh, some of the issues that, uh, you wanted to discuss and one of them being immigration. Um, so let's let's go there. Let's talk about immigration. How is this issue affecting your life personally?
1: Well, like I said, like um, at the beginning, I was born in another country. Mm-hmm. I wasn't born in the United States. Um, my family, it's an immigrant family. So this issue is very important to me, especially because I continue to work with the immigrant community. So immigration is very important to me. We I see that a lot of lies are being spread about the immigrant community, things mm-hmm. that aren't
0: true. Mm-hmm. I Such s- as what are some of the things that you're hearing that aren't well, true?
1: Well, the most the more extreme wo- ones is that um, immigrants are either rapists, that they're terrorists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that they're taking advantage of the this country, that we just want handouts. those those types of myths are being spread.
0: Now, your walk into this country is different than a lot of these people who are currently uh, shown all over the television lately um, at at the border's edge um, in states of desperation uh, in refugee uh, areas. Um, But you do have your own immigration story. Uh, How are you finding that... um, you're able to connect even though you have the differences there that you're able to connect and be there for people who are trying to get into this country and are being um finding it difficult for whatever reason are you are you able to make that connection yes
1: i'm I'm able to make that connection because I know the struggles that they're probably going through in their Mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of them, we came here because of uh, economic opportunity. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are coming here because they're just fleeing for their life. Right, And they're fleeing kidnappings and just a lot of violence over there. But still, you know, seeing that a human being just wants what's best for their children, which is what my parents did for me, Mm -hmm. is what connects me to them.
0: Mm -hmm. So when they talk about immigration reform and people talk about um, people on the border almost like they're not people, um, what do you want elected officials that you're voting for to do? How do you want them to address immigration?
1: I want them to address immigration from the point of view to see what the United States has done in other countries. If, you know, we, we go and we meddle in other countries. We go into those countries and we put the, the people in power that we want to. Mm -hmm. For example, right now in Venezuela, I know that they're having problems. But I think that the United States should stay off those problems, let the people in those countries handle those problems. Mm-hmm. And in the 80s, which is when I was born, the United States heavily influenced what happened there. We sold them weapons, we we had people fighting against each other, mm-hmm. and that caused a lot of people to flee to this country. We need to see that that we, we can't Go and meddle into other countries, and then not expect people to flee
0: the violence that we are helping perpetrate there. So you're saying this is really our responsibility that we caused the crisis at the border? At least the image that you know that we see a lot with with people, their children, and families walking for hundreds and hundreds of miles. That we have some sort of responsibility there. We're culpable. Yes, and yes, Yes, we are. Right, so, and you want, as you go to the polls and you're voting for people, you want people in office that are willing to take that on from that perspective. So what would immigration reform, since that's the phrase that people use, Mm -hmm. how can we humanely take these families, these people at the border, how can we address this situation so that the issue can be resolved? Well, I think that um, it that's very
1: easy to do. Just, you know, follow the laws that we have in place. It's not like we don't have laws already in place. The law actually does say that for someone to seek asylum, they have to be in the United States or to be on the U.S. soil. Mm-hmm. So this is what people are doing. It's not like you can go to an embassy mm-hmm. or... Y- look for ways to come here legally Mm -hmm. when you are trying to come here as a refugee you Mm -hmm. have to be
0: here and they're blocked right now they're they're blocked on the mexican side from the
1: yes What, what i'm saying is let's do the legal thing Mm -hmm. because that legal thing is the right thing to do we already have laws that are already in place we're not calling to just let people in we have a system Mm -hmm. to allow refugees in and right now unfortunately the national government is actually violating a lot of those laws because they're not following through what our system has in place
0: why have we um this has been an issue for a while right? But it's, it's kind of exploded a mushroom into what we see now. Why are we having such a hard time, in your opinion, following the laws there on the books regarding these people who are seeking help at the border?
1: I think that there is a lot of people that are frightened in this country because, I mean, it, anyone would be afraid if they see people that are different from you, different religion, different language, the way that they look, I think that a lot of Americans are afraid of these people coming in. So that's why they're voting in officials that
0: are willing to violate the laws of this country. Are there people that you would say should not be allowed into this country?
1: Yes, you know, there is people that are... um, There is bad people everywhere, there is bad people in all the races. Of every culture, of every every group. Yes, Mm -hmm. in every group, Mm -hmm. but that's why we have to have a system to be able to vet them out. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, we're just not even trying to give people an opportunity, so the people that that do need asylum, we're not even allowing them the opportunity. But you know the bad people in every group is a lot less than the people in need. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. We have
1: to have more faith in human nature than that. And unfortunately, there is bad people. That's why we have to have a system.
0: Right, right. Now you say you've walked with some of these people going through the trials that they've gone through, um, and, and you've seen firsthand um, what their challenges are and how hard it is for them and their families since they're unable to speak for themselves, um, could you speak a little bit for them and share um, what a life is like for a mother or father, a man or woman or child who may come across the border by themselves? If you could share a little bit of your experiences walking with some of these folks.
1: Well, I've, I've seen many cases of people being able to cross the border and um, they've, you know, walked for miles and miles, they crossed rivers, they crossed the desert and once they get here, they, they think that, you know, reaching this country is the promised land, mm-hmm. but for many of them, it's been a nightmare because their child has been taken away. Mm-hmm. And if they were lucky enough for their child not to be taken away, they were treated as criminals from day one. You know, they were put in, in prisons and if The only reason why they didn't stay detained is because we don't have the resources to detain that many people. So they put an ankle bracelet uh, on their ankle to be able to track them. Mm -hmm. You know, when we see people in the store, usually, you know, that's been a mark of someone that's a criminal, someone that has run-ins with the law, but a lot of these people are mothers who are just trying to give their child a better opportunity. And yet we see them being tagged like that, you know, being tracked in GPS in that way that, you know, we want to see where they are as if they were a criminal.
0: Another voter that we had on the show talked about the struggles that millennials have trying to juggle student debt, full time jobs and going back to school. Please listen in as J.C. Day talks about what that struggle has been for her personally and what she wants elected officials to do about it. In studio today, we have J.C. Day, who is here to talk about the issues that concern her when she goes to the polls to vote. Uh, And we're just going to go through some of those issues you're going to kind of lead the way for us, J.C., uh, but before we go too far, if you could introduce yourself to the audience, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, and where you're yeah. from.
2: Okay. So uh, my name's JC. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, what, I'm 26 years old and I'm in school right now for um, anthropology, specifically bioarchaeology. And I'm getting a minor in uh, linguistics and um, thinking about getting one in um, International studies as well.
0: Wow, it's a lot going on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um, that is is that particular interest in that study. What kind of got you into that area? If you don't mind me asking.
2: Well, really, um, initially I was going for education, but education. I, I just realized that was not something that I wanted to do long term. Right, right. Um, it's good to find that out early. Yeah, yeah, before I had, like, a whole midlife crisis, and then at 68, oh, my God, I know what Oh, no, do.
0: midlife at 30, right?
2: <laughs> Yeah, but I figured it out, and um, I realized that the main thing that I love to do, I love to learn about past cultures, I love to learn about the future of culture, I love to learn about um, people right, in general. Right, right. And yeah, I thought that was a good thing to do because I don't just, um, I'm not just concerned about with, I'm not just concerned with American culture. I'm Mm -hmm. also interested in a lot of other cultures as well. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I might as well have a degree that caters to that. so.
0: So how do your interests fuel your thoughts about the issues that you kind of have at the forefront of your mind when you're voting? when you're thinking about who to vote for. You mentioned people and cultures and things like that.
2: Yeah, so different people from different cultures being represented properly and having the having rights, um, having their own cultures, their own religions respected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that does play a part in my choice, um, my major. Um, just because, like, it, the way I see it, if you're going to study another ethnicity if you're going to study another culture if you're going to learn their language you might as well have respect for them as people in general Mm -hmm. and respect correlates to um, making sure that they have their rights secured as well Mm -hmm. so um yeah. yeah so
0: when you go to the polls we talked about colorism what are some other issues that kind of spark like spark your interest that kind of get your attention other issues uh so (laughs)
2: <laughs> With taxes, <laughs> most definitely those tax, tax is really cuts. really at
0: 26.
2: <laughs> well. <laughs> how, it, do they,
0: how do taxes
2: affect the millennial? <laughs> well, um, a lot of us are incredibly in debt, and it's really not fair for the upper class people to um, get all of these tax cuts when, like, we're down here suffering. We're just trying to get through school. We have to pay so much money just to go to one class. And... Um, all of that effort just to find out that tax cuts are going up to them who do not need it whatsoever Mm. and they know they don't need it like there was actually this article um well not an article I actually saw a video about um one of the descendants of uh Disney and she was talking about what the 1% do with their tax cuts and she said that a lot of them didn't know what to do so um they were buying mega yachts. <laughs> I thought they would be investing in the economy no. and creating
0: jobs. Are you no. telling me that I should? Are you bursting my bubble? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you pretty much. Um, never have they ever really invested in jobs or economy. Um, it's very few. In well, that yeah, group. there's the
0: Warren Buffets and the mm-hmm. yeah, those those out there. So not to say that all of them are in that, but I'm sure there's a point to be made that you know not everyone has that same thought pattern. Yeah. So taxation, taxes matter. So mm. if you were to vote for someone in 2020, what do you want? You want tax cuts for millennials? I mean, what <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, know, I want,
0: you wouldn't want them to give you bags of cash at the polls. What what does that mean for you?
2: Well, and you talk about mm-hmm. debt or school debt. What yeah. does that mean for you? Well, um Really, I just don't want any more tax cuts for the one percent. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. just stop it like let's <laughs> just stop. they don't need it. It's so unnecessary. Um, but what about help with college?
0: You know, there are some industrialized nations where um people like yourself, they do work and they go to school, but they don't have the costs that we do, and they're industrial nations. Mm-hmm. Um, I was speaking to someone the other day and her nephew went to the Netherlands to go to college because he only had to pay three thousand a year Um, and he's doing well he's living in Europe now but what if that were something that could be proposed is that something that you could lift up and support
2: absolutely yeah yes uh, now with this semester um what My class is all together, I'm i taking three classes. Uh-huh. And all together, it's a, almost like $4,000. Wow. Now, for them to think that we have $4,000, they know we don't have that money, especially in this day, um, which is why they want you to take out loans and they want you to fall further in debt. Um, like, on that standpoint, I would want debt to be forgiven. Uh-huh. I would most definitely want student debt to be forgiven. And... Um, way for these classes to not cost as much money Uh for uh them to for them to not raise those prices the um whatchamacallit the business people Uh uh that like raise the prices up that high because on these boards it's not really it's not educators that are on these boards they're business people so they will hike up the price to get as much money as possible because that's their ultimate goal most of them have never teached a class in their um taught a class in their life Uh so uh um so
0: what about there were a couple of folks who were talking at least the last presidential election about college being free for everyone. Do you think that's something that's possible? <laughs> I think it's possible and I think we should do it. <laughs> I think it's possible. You think it's all, possible, but yeah. that would on the other side that would raise somebody has to pay for it.
2: Yeah, and it would raise tax um it would raise taxes, but I see that in the line of medical care. Uh, like uh-huh. Yeah, your taxes are higher, but at least you won't die from not being af- able to afford an insulin shot. Mm-hmm. Like, in that same breath, like, yes, your taxes will be higher, but at least all of your children will be properly educated mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. way that they should be. Like, it shouldn't even be a discussion, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Our last reflection today talks about the human sex trafficking trade that has grown exponentially here in the state of Indiana. Social worker Amanda Lamb talks about her experience in helping people escape that life, but also talks about the horrors that these people experience before they're able to connect with people who are able to help them.
3: Okay, um, well, my name is Amanda. I'm a social worker here in the Indianapolis area. Um, I do therapy. Specialize with children. Um, I'm also a foster parent, and I have children of my own. I'm currently going through an adoption process for two of my kiddos, and I'm just really excited to be here and talk about the issues that we have in the in the state today. Awesome, awesome. Now, are you a voter? Yes, I am.
0: You are a voter. And from what I understand, you vote in every single election, yes both state, federal. We have a vote uh, election coming up next year, so we expect you to be out there as well. What are some of the issues that you will have on your heart? At least I know it's hard to look that far ahead, but what's on your heart today as you look at the election coming up next year?
3: Um, one of the number one issues on my heart is human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And um, the survivors of human trafficking, the misunderstanding of human trafficking, the denial of human trafficking, that it occurs in and around our area, um, and truly understanding the magnitude of the issue, not only in our state, but in our our country, Mm -hmm. um, and how it continues to grow um, and the fact that we cannot arrest our way out mm. of this situation and this problem. Could you tell us a little bit about
0: um, some of the human trafficking issues? Because oh, this is one of those invisible sorts of, of crimes against particularly women and children uh, primarily that we don't know about. But as to your understanding, especially since you work with children, could you tell us about the impact
3: that you've seen Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the issues, um, sadly, a lot of the traffickers are family members, and so it can be a generational uh, type of situation in which children are trafficked by their families, which is um, creates what's called trauma bonding, and therefore the children are often connected to their traffickers. Um, or their family members, whether it be sexual trafficking or um, or work, labor trafficking is what it's called. And there are a magnitude of other issues that will go along with that, um, often leading to uh, mental health issues like post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse issues, uh, maladaptive sexual behavior, continued violence, domestic abuse. And so um, it can really kind of snowball into a greater, greater issues um, as it continues. And in
0: particular, besides the obvious, what do you want other voters to kind of have on their minds when they are going to the polls or talking to their legislators? What do
3: you want them to tell their legislators to do? Okay, so um, when we kind of look at the way that it all works, um, Indiana's done A fairly good job of advancing our laws since um, the super bowl we all know that uh, large events attract more human trafficking and more substance abuse and a handful of other issues and so um, our laws have been advancing and we do have things in place for the traffickers that are arrested we have things in place for the victims or survivors and um, kind of keeping in contact with the service providers Um, The area in which we lack in Indiana and that lacks uh, most of the country is um, the, the buyers. So if there was not a demand for sexual trafficking or labor trafficking, if the demand was diminished, we would not need to be prosecuting so many traffickers. The traffickers aren't going to have people to traffic if there is no one to buy the people. And the laws are extremely lax in this area. So they call the buyers johns. Um, and oftentimes they will get misdemeanors or minor sexual um, charges. And the traffickers will take the, the majority of the um, felony charges. And, and sometimes even the victims are charged really? um, with things like prostitution um, and we're missing the entire reason that all of these things are even occurring, which is the demand for for um, for human trafficking mm,
0: mm-hmm. are these uh, people who get caught in the human trafficking business and I'm talking particularly victims are they primarily United States citizens or they w- give us a profile of what you've seen or the type of people who you've seen uh, become victims of
3: this, crime. It is. Um, it, it is widespread. Um, so the large majority is white, um, impoverished. Um, the second would be African-American and then um, followed by immigrants um, or undocumented citizens. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like it's a, the way
0: that you explained it before, if they're children, they're brought in a lot of times by relatives. It's kind of passed down in that way and they they, when it's your family what I'm basically trying to get at is how do these children tell on their mom or their dad or their grandparents you know uh, how do you break through on that level and then I want to go back and talk about the responsibility of the so called Johns so let's talk about the children um, who may end up with punishment themselves especially when they get to the ages of 16 to 18 Mm -hmm. because they can be charged as an adult How, how do you have you had to deal with that as a social worker
3: yeah we see um, we see a lot of what's called trauma bonding and the trauma bonding piece is um, you might hear it in like the Stockholm syndrome yes. um, and so the victims often will, Bond or connect with that um, adult in mm-hmm. their life, and mm-hmm. then they are groomed and taught how to behave in a certain way or act, um, and they're done that. That is done through a variation of rewards and punishments. So, these like a pet. Almost like a pet. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, if they're not behaving the way that the adult would want them to, then they may be um, abused or neglected. Mm -hmm. And if they are making their um, adult happy, they might be fed a great meal or they might be taken out for ice cream. Um, And I'm talking younger kids Mm -hmm. in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're rewarded. And even positive reinforcement, especially with um, Mm -hmm. trauma bonding, positive reinforcement enforcement I love you so much Um, I'm the only one that cares about you Um, if you go into the system or if you're in foster care this will happen and that will happen Mm -hmm. and so they kind of make the outside world and the system appear to be worse than Mm -hmm. what is currently occurring Mm
0: -hmm. so these victims play a role in protecting those who are victim victimizing them you know unknowingly unknowingly unknowingly. now back to the Johns and and the demand that they create. Um, now, as a social worker, you may or may not have direct contact with these folks. But what do you imagine could be done to stem the demand? I mean, how would you? That's been the the challenge with with drug trafficking, as well. So, how do you stem the demand? Is it just Punishment, criminal punishment, or are there other things that you had in mind?
3: Um, there have been some uh. studies done in some other cities. I believe one in Chicago, maybe. I, I might be wrong about that. Um, in which they did make a massive. A criminal case out of um, a couple of the, the johns, and it did drastically reduce the amount of human trafficking that they had in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been done in a couple different studies. I, mm-hmm. I can't recall off the top of my head which ones, mm-hmm. um, but that did show a massive reduction.
0: Then why are we hesitant, do you think, globally, or I say globally, but across the nation to institute that same sort of effort?
3: I believe that a lot of the buyers are higher profiles, and mm-hmm. um, we don't we don't always want to believe that people in higher paid positions or people that we may look up to or authority are involved in buying of people or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. children for for sex reasons, um, and so it's easier almost to pretend that the only people involved are um, the victims Mm -hmm. and the traffickers.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of PointCast. As always, we'd like to encourage you to continue to plug into our social media outlets, Facebook and Twitter, our website at pointcast.news, and we are now on iTunes, so feel free to look at us there as well, or take a listen rather. We'd also like to thank all of our past guests, and we look forward to meeting all of you on August 25th at 3 p.m. in the Irvington community as we extend point cast into the public forum.